Jeanette Hoffman. Throughout this series, I'll be delving deeper into what it means to be a woman in architecture. Today, we have two incredible guests for you, Amanda Barton, Associate and Project Designer at HKS, and our very own Tiffany Montanez, Associate and Project Manager at SB Architects. Focused on pushing themselves and others to be active participants in creating a more equitable profession, both Amanda and Tiffany hold numerous roles outside of their day job. Amanda is president of AIA Miami, co-chair of the AIA Miami Christopher Kelly Leadership and Development Program, and a member of AIA Florida Resilience Committee. Tiffany is secretary of the South Florida NOMA chapter, co-chairs of Project Pipeline, and the AIA Diversity and Inclusion Committee. Both women have already made an incredible impact on the sector, and I, for one, can't wait to hear more about it on today's podcast. Good morning, everyone. Tiffany, I have not actually formally met you. I haven't either. But I feel like I know you through social media. (laughs) I feel the same way. I'm like, I know exactly who Jeanette is. And I was like, I think this is the first time I'm actually speaking to her. Um, (laughs) I'm honored. I really am. I see you all over our social media. So thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank Ashley for looping me in. Ashley and Amanda. I know they're the best. Um, good morning, Amanda. Long time no chat. I know. How have you been? Been good. I just got back from the Bahamas last night. So I'm frantically trying to catch up now. So you and I talked, I guess it was a couple weeks ago. At this point, I time is a blur. So um, but we got to sort of chat. We've known each other in our in our previous lives, which is really nice. Um And you know Tiffany really well. I don't know exactly. I guess, I guess y'all met through uh, Nomas and AIA. Is that exactly how y'all got to know each other? Yeah. Um, yeah. That's awesome. I would like to know um, just a little bit about you, Amanda, and then a little bit about you, Tiffany, um, sort of what brought you to architecture, what's keeping you here, um, and sort of what's your drive every day. I know y'all are both extremely involved in AIA and Nomas, and we'll talk about that. Um but yeah, a little bit of your background, Amanda. Yeah, sure. So um, I guess first off, thanks, Jeanette, for having me. Um, this is really exciting uh, just to support women through our industry. Um, but in regards to starting off in architecture, I had no idea what architecture even was. Uh, my family was attorneys and doctors and I was always leaning towards a science field because I knew I didn't want to be uh, anything related to law and politics so in middle school I wanted to be a zoologist Uh, but then in high school I jumped to medical drawings because I did that as my um, AP art I guess final Uh, that's really cool I didn't know that yeah and and I realized I had a similar you know same issue with zoology of there was um, blood. So <laughs> I had to stay away from that. I'm the same um, way. I'm yeah. the same way. <laughs> but over the course of um, high school, I found architecture through a, a drafting program at school. And, you know, the excitement and passion grew from there. I was probably one of the only ones who was really actually excited for it instead of just playing computer games. But um, I took a few courses, and then at the end of high school, I, I knew this was what I wanted to jump into. That's awesome. A very similar. I My parents and family are all doctors, Amanda, and uh, I volunteered at a vet clinic uh, in the summer when I was young and passed out helping the vet. So 
uh, that was not going to be the career line for me. <laughs> it's good to have that, that aspect of a kid because then you know sooner than later. <laughs> architecture, it was. <laughs> what about you, Tiffany? Um, so I'm a born and raised New Yorker. Uh, I started my architecture journey at like 15. Um, I went to, and this is such an obnoxious name, the High School for Construction Trades, Engineering, and Architecture. Um, where so you've I, known since you were four that you wanted no, to No, actually, <laughs> um, I didn't, I transferred back to New York City schools, and it's really competitive to get into the specialized schools. Uh, and I thought I wanted to be an art educator, um, and there were no slots left. It was too competitive. I was transferring in. It was really hard. And there was a school nearby that had just opened, and it was like, do you want to do architecture? I was like, why would I do architecture? Um, and I had an interview and the principal was like, so what, do you want to be an architect? I was like, no, but I'll probably be like pretty cool at this program and like it's artsy <laughs> and like, I like, I like that. So I'll figure it out. Maybe I like it, but maybe not. And maybe not. Like, he was like, okay. Um, and then that summer I worked at my first firm uh, as an intern an all woman firm that like shifted my whole understanding of architecture. I was like, what are you talking about? Male dominated. I'm working with all women. Um, and then, you know, continued on to college and now practicing here um, in Miami was back in New York for a bit and then moved here five years ago, which sounds kind of crazy. It's been this long. Yeah. So you think you'll be in Miami for a while? I think that, I mean, you said you came from where in New York? Which I came from New York City. I'm from Queens. Oh, New York. actually, got it. Um, my aunt lives in Queens. Yeah. Um, and so now you're in Miami. How many people are in our Miami office now? It's like 50-ish? It's, it's about 45-ish. Ish. <laughs> Something Ish. like that. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about how the sort of natural progression of y'all's sort of meeting between Amanda and yourself happened. I... I'm pretty involved in NOMA, mm -hmm. uh, National Organization of Minority Architects. Um, and the previous president of AIA Miami looped me into AIA Miami. And my first meeting with him was the AIA does not support my mission as an architect, as a member of this community. And I did not know he was the AIA president at the time. So I had my foot completely in my mouth. And he was like, Got it. I'm going to change your mind about that. And Craig O'Carr definitely did um, and looped me into being part of the diversity and inclusion committee for AI Miami for participating in women in architecture and just attending these different forums and different communities within our small chapter and naturally met Amanda through that because she was the president elect last year. Yeah. Amanda, tell me about a little bit about how you became president-elect, because I think it's a pretty cool story. To add to Tiffany's story, it it's all very fluid, right? Mm -hmm. um, I wouldn't say it was one exact moment that, mm -hmm. you know, Tiffany and I just found each other. It was, you know, going caught each other's. There wasn't a catch each other's eye moment. Yeah. Love at first sight. <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. Um, you know, it's that bond and going through different events and, and working together that brings us all together that I think is really important. Um, but I was fortunate to join, you know, AIA right out of school. I took the, you know, the recommendation of doing that 18 months free and I kept, I kept staying in it and 
and it helped foster a lot of my professional growth early in my career. And as an introvert, attending any professional networking event was something I actively sought not to do. One of my colleagues dragged me to my first AIA function, and I, I became interested in everything that was going on. Um, it was a mentorship event, and I, I made a friend that day, and I made uh, I met a lot of cool people who I tried learning everything from, right? We have to soak soak up information like a sponge, and you, you don't know who you're going to learn from. So having this opportunity to meet people from all walks of life who shared that passion of architecture really allowed me to form my personal connection within the industry. And then over time, I, I just kind of stuck with it. So AI provided me with opportunities to take on that leadership role. So like Tiffany had an experience of, you know, a president came up to me and asked me to join the mentorship committee. And as I grew into it, I, I jumped onto the board as an associate director, got my license and moved up the ranks. And now here I am as AI Miami president. So it really is incredible. Yeah. What do you think, I mean, both of y'all are extremely hard workers in your own right, right? At, at, through your career, at your office, at our firms, hardworking architects. What do you think it is that drives you to stay in AIA and NOMA? And why do you think it's important for other people to sort of make sure that they stay involved in organizations like this, especially for younger women coming into their career? I know I've always been involved. I was in NOMAS in college. Um, I've always been a part of AIA. What do you think the benefits are for somebody coming in? I know you talked a little bit about it yourself right now, Amanda, but what are you hoping to see in, in pulling people into this more and keeping them going and as being in, um, involved in these sort of organized groups? Well, I, th I think uh, I'll jump in first. I think Tiffany actually hinted to a lot of what's important, yeah. right? These organizations create an outlet for us to speak up. And if there's something on our mind that we have a passion for, we always have the opportunity to create a committee or start an event that bring others who have the similar passion together and with that we all make change, right? And then that makes us have the opportunity to grow ourselves, our industry, and really make it a better place for the next generation. I do want to add that our industry is so small, you know, the Miami architects can be, you know, located in one single dive bar. Like there's so few of us, <laughs> um, but, you know, knowing that our community, you know, of course you have your community at work, but that can't fill all your buckets of interest. And you're going to learn a certain amount of things from the people you are working with, but you're also going to absorb things for people who are in offices doing totally different work or folks who are more on the nonprofit side or folks who are in the ultra corporate environment that really enjoy it and kind of allow them different opportunities. So having a kind of crashing point for all these different types of professionals to work with in different ways of kind of our passion projects or interests kind of allows you to do that. I'm in the position of my career because of volunteers mm. who gave their, their volunteers and professionals who gave their time to mentor youth. I am a product of the ACE mentor program. I am a product of workshops 
free summer colleges, you know, mentor intern programs, all these things are because someone volunteered that time to expose youth to it. Uh, Because in my family, not that the idea of an architect wasn't an option, but a very, you know, I kind of joke that the immigrant uh, job opportunities are doctors, lawyers, engineers, and working for the government. Um, And so like, (laughs) those are your options for success. And yeah, those things can lead you to success, but there's also all types of careers uh, that you can go into. So I felt very lucky to be in a very big city that had all these programming. And I just threw myself in and was like, okay, if I like it, I'm going to force myself to like really absorb everything that's around. So like at Noma, I always want to be that resource now, right? It's be who you are when you needed it. And Mm -hmm. the whole idea of see it, like if you see it, you can be it. And that's something that like is straight in my core. I didn't get as much of an opportunity to see as many women of color in this profession when I was learning about it. And I was just like, we're somewhere. We are somewhere. (laughs) We're here somewhere. So Noma has allowed me to kind of exist in that space so authentically, which Mm -hmm. I feel very grateful for. Yeah. I was talking to um, another person that'll be on our podcast coming up about being in a safe space and how important that is, you know, whether it's your firm or uh, an organization that you're helping lead or a part of that being able to be a part of your, be yourself, exactly what you're saying, Tiffany also helps us to be able to help other people more, be honest about what we've been through. So you've been in NOMA for about five years in in Miami for about five years, right, Tiffany? Okay. Mm. Um, What do you think has changed for the good? And what do you think still needs to be modified or still um, sort of worked at needed throughout the community as far as equity, diversity, and inclusion goes? Do you have any specific stories that you could share with us? Oh boy. I think that's a whole separate podcast, but um, (laughs) great question. You know, I think in 2020 with a lot Mm. of not only the weight of the pandemic and that uncertainty, every environment was, every environment was heated. and And there was so many acts of inequity that were happening across this country that have been happening for so long. And yeah, continue to happen, unfortunately. And so many people and so many industries looked right at their bosses and their CEOs and was like, Hmm. (laughs) and you, what do you have to say about Uh this? And it was very nice to have a lot of different organizations really look within themselves and be like, are we doing anything about it? Like, I can say, yes, these things matter, And I can think those things, but there's a difference between saying, thinking, and policy and actual, you know, parts of your ethics that are non-negotiables to contribute to a more just and equitable world. In NOMA, you know, NOMA was formed to create a space for, you know, folks of color and a space for them to gather, to collaborate, to really just connect with one another in ways that 
their often white male environments didn't allow them to. And having that resource is just, it's incredible. And the South Florida chapter was very active a number of years ago, and then it kind of closed, defaulted, and it reopened in 2019, right before everything shut down in 2020. So the group of folks who were part of that movement to kind of bring it up to speed, all this momentum, and then it was just like a halt, right? Um, but now, you know, we're slowly growing. We represent Miami, Broward, and Palm Beach County, which like on our map is a very big span of us. And we've been able to make sure that in our meetings, we're having conversations about different types of celebration, right? Here in Miami, we are very Caribbean. We are very Hispanic. Uh, that's a lot of our South Florida membership, but it's like, we're also going to have conversation about Asian American heritage and Native American heritage and disabilities. We're going to, we're going to talk about, you know, disabilities and existing less abled in architecture as architects. One of my favorite events I held through the AIA was a panel that had all different types of professionals in our world who exist in that space. We had um, a deaf architect, we had someone who was a wheelchair user, another gentleman who um, worked in designing and consulting for deaf space. Um, and then we had someone here who's our own local resource and he's amazing. And he is like the ADA guru of South Florida. And you know exactly who I'm talking about. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Uh, it's like, you have any kind of question in that? And he's like, I can't go into any space without seeing it. And it drives me crazy. But um, it was great to have all these different professionals and different facets speak on such an important topic that we all work with every single day, but we don't actually address. Yeah. As yeah. it can be. We had Karen Breitmeyer on um, last week and she's incredible. She and just here. Incredible. She truly is like one of the most inspiring women and architects I've ever spoken to. Such a beautiful soul, like is the best way to describe her. That's a positive light. And exactly what you're saying, Tiffany, like things embarrassingly, I told her, I was like, the things you're talking about to me sound like everyday things that should just be available to people like paper towel dispensers and accessible restrooms and accessible tables, like things that are just everyday things that sadly I'm part of the problem of not thinking about these things enough about how someone experiences these things enough, or I'm not being a part of that conversation to help convince the client that this is important, that this is a necessity, that this says you are welcome. You know, she talked about a lot and you're, it sort of touches on what you're saying about Noma is that the safe space and the, you are welcome here is a really big thing. And sometimes people aren't realizing they're sending a message that is not saying that you're sending a message. That's not saying you're welcome here. So how do we, people like you, people like Amanda have these conversations to no matter if it's a minority or a disability or a woman or whatever it may be that you're welcome here. You're, this is a place where we want you to share, to come, to be with us. Your spot matters, right? Everyone and it's being intentional, right? Intentional, exactly. There's, uh, we work with ADA every day and we do it as a checkbox, okay? We have mm -hmm. 
a few ADA rooms per programming. We have the tables assigned here. We have the door, the one door, like, you know, it's, it's just a it's check ridiculous. It's that ridiculous. Instead of using it as an opportunity for design as a, Hey, like any room should be an accessible room, right? Any room can be for any type of person and using that as a guideline to make better quality spaces. We don't. We yeah, are, it's just another design. Parameter, we're meeting a legal right? requirement to not exactly. Get and it's just like, that can't be the reason why we do equitable practices. It cannot be in the fear of litigation. Yeah. And, and we hope be, that that makes someone feel comfortable. Yes. <laughs> and it's like, we have to do it because we are thinking about all types of users. That's what we do as architects. It's the materials and people, right? Um <laughs> And I think we forget about, you know, the person, right? Mm-hmm. We we can remember them when we see them, right? Out of sight, out of mind. Absolutely. But, but when it comes to the design process, it's something that, you know, when we're talking about users, we're not forcing ourselves to think of every type of users. I always grew up in this mentality, you have to switch point of views. So thinking in in multiple different angles. And I think that's helped me become that architect that tries at least mm-hmm. to create those spaces. I, I won't say I'm 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 not perfect. I mean, I don't think any of us are, but that intent of really designing for everybody in our community. And and that goes out, you know, not only in our the actual project, but in in our industry, right? Making sure that everybody has that voice, everybody has that opportunity to come join an event or or even you going up to someone who might be standing there alone awkwardly because they don't feel like they fit in and just saying hello and welcoming them into the group, right? I think it's important. We hear stories all the time. Like, I, I really didn't feel like I fit in, right? It's an old, old guy um, club and and I don't see myself in this group. And then little do you know, beyond like behind the curtain, there's hundreds of women pushing the boundary and same for any of the other communities that we've been talking about. And just finding that supportive community is so important. What is the sign that we have to create that makes it seem like architecture is changing for women? Because I feel like in school, it's a very different environment than the environment we we experience professionally. What do you think we can do, Amanda, just on a day-to-day basis, and, and Tiffany, um, to make it feel like women are welcome in this profession and that welcome in this profession to stay with family, with life changes, with all these other things? Is there anything you can think of specifically that would send a better message before someone gets here in schools, anything? Well, it's not only being a good mentor and making yourself available, right? It's also deconstructing our own misogynistic tendencies, Mm. even if we're not trying to, because Mm. a lot of times, you know, the women we're looking forward to, or even ourselves and, you know, folks coming after us, there are things that we just take on because, well, that was the environment and that's what we have to do. And to really disrupt that is to completely de- deconstruct that 
And it's very hard to do that. And I don't think it's solved in one generation. Absolutely. But I do think it's a necessary one to make it more welcoming and encourage like, no, you belong at this table. Like, oh, there's no seat for you. Pull up a folding chair, like bring your own chair. This table is for everyone. Um, And if you don't, if we don't like the table, we'll just deconstruct it. There is no table now. And making sure to be that type of advocate and it doesn't need to be so robust and intense, right? It can be making sure that when you are in client facing meetings and your intermediate staff or up and coming leadership staff is, hey, come in. You may have nothing to say, but be in the room, just listen, absorb it, right? You literally just stole the words right out of my mouth. We interviewed Tanya uh, Illenfeld and she, you know, does leadership consulting for architects and was an architect herself, but she was like, just don't forget that sometimes, yeah, we want to encourage women to have a voice and to speak up when they want to go to something, but there, it's okay. There's some women that don't want to say, Hey, can I come to that meeting? You be the person that invites them. Exactly what you said. You be the person that says, Hey, just come listen in. This is going to be super helpful. It's going to be great insight. Come sit with me. You know, you don't have to say a word if you don't want to feel free to speak up if you have something to say, but inviting them to the room. And it was just such a good point because there were so many times when I was younger and I know Amanda probably felt this in a larger firm when we were both young, that you didn't, you didn't want to step on toes. You don't want to make it feel like you're pushy (laughs) and you're like, but I would like to be in the room. So someone speaking up and when they did invite me to the room felt amazing and you remember it. Well, and I, and I think we need to, you know, as we are becoming the not so emerging professionals anymore. We need to remember to. <laughs> what are you elevate. talking about? We are not yourself. saying anything. <laughs> We're not. We're not. When did this happen? <laughs> um, but we need to remember to elevate each other. I think a yeah. lot of times we for a lot of people forget that. This is a community effort, and working together brings everybody up rather than it being this competition, right? We each are trying to fight for the next promotion or fight for being on a X project and anything like that. And we need to show that we can help each other grow within the industry. And while we're doing that, we're actually growing ourselves. Um, And I think that's important because just like you were saying, Danette, like, we did have a hard time getting into that first meeting, right, for a project because we were so young and, you know, we looked like admin or coffee. The amount, of time, some, the amount <laughs> of time someone thought I was an admin in the room <laughs> or the interior designer because I'm a girl. I yeah, know. exactly. So it's and, and it's important to say, no, actually, Tiffany is our project manager and she's going to be leading this actually, project. Tiffany's and, running this. <laughs> exactly. And I think it's important that we push that. So like even right now with some of the new hires we're getting from, you know, right out of school, we're saying, OK, you are leading this. I will be here every step of the way but I want you to take charge so that you can start learning how to do that because ownership. Yeah. Because it in school, we're either doing it by ourselves or we're in that safe space, right? We don't see everything that is happening in reality. And, and I think you both alluded to this before, right? We, we don't see everything that's going on and 
the challenges that we're going to have when we're in school. And I don't think we want to scare anybody right. in school from saying, oh, there's so many hard things in the world. But how can we say there might be hard things, but I'm here for you is the most. But we're in this together. Thing. Yeah, we're in this together. That's and a really we good will point. All, we will all grow with that. So I, yeah. And providing them the agency to to feel like they are, you know, taking leadership. They're part of that change. They are contributing to that, um, I think is super important, right? It's making sure that, yes, you have a lot to learn, but you have mm -hmm. it matters, be it like absorb it, be a sponge, and it will be great. Existing as a younger woman, younger professionals are taking on bigger roles in offices. And that adjustment of like, you need to be at this tier of your um, trajectory of your career to unlock a certain name after you is being challenged across offices everywhere. You know, you're not getting a recent grad that's going to be a project manager. I think that would be very risky, but like you're not, it's not the 20 year professional and then you unlock that, right? It's okay. There's people who can adjust. There's people who can adapt. People are bringing different types of skill sets. Architects aren't only doing architecture. They're right. doing all types of things and making sure that we are sharing those types of opportunities with the incoming generation. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and knowing that like, there's a space for you in an office, you are not just the door schedule person. You have the option to lead. You can design, you can do CA, you can be part of the graphics team. There's all different worlds. And that's something that like SB is very strong at, which I think is wonderful, but I think more and more firms are being more multifaceted. Being mindful that, I mean, I think in school that there's this picture that an architect should be designing and drawing these beautiful, expensive buildings and details are not glorious. CA is not glorious. Talking about even the business side of it is not glorious or even understood for yet <laughs> lack of a better term, and that exactly you can be successful in any version of architecture. There is no, right. You don't have to walk through the door and go sit down and do a door schedule. You know what it, you, it's important to listen and learn. And that does come with doing some things that might not always be your favorite or might not be what you're best at, but it also is a way for you to let someone else know what you're, what you're good at contributing, being honest about what your actual strengths are. Right. And we can, you know, we were talking to Karen about this too. Like not everybody has the same strength. So how do we make sure that everybody feels like they're in a safe space to express what their strength is? And if you don't invite them to the meeting with the clients and put them in front of clients or put them in the room on an OAC meeting, how are they ever going to know if that's their strength, right? They, yeah. have, they have to wait 10 years to find out that they're good at CA or they're good at submittals and RFIs and understanding shop drawings, or they can find out two years into their career and go, oh my gosh, Tiffany, can I come along with you on everything? This is so cool. I want to do this, right? So it's super important to make sure I think that it's also, I think it's also important. Invited. Yeah, I think it's also really important that we, we remember that the strength that we came in with is not the strengths we have now, oh, yeah. right? Everybody grows and, and, you know, we, I think Tiffany, you alluded to this with SB and HKS does a very similar uh, form of education where we're, we're going into all sorts of different elements of architecture 
is to to find yourself within the space. And you might think I'm going to be that designer. And then in three years from now, you're gonna be the best PA who can do those bathroom details that everybody thought they would dread. And that is one of your favorite things to do. It's so interesting to see all the different paths you can have with architecture that you don't know about. I mean, not even within an architecture firm. I know someone who now has their Uh, their bar for being an attorney and now they are doing architecture law and they thought they were going to be one of the main star architects during school so it's really great to see you know our industry might be small we're very tight-knit community especially like Tiffany said in South Florida but there are so many ways that you could spread your wings that we don't know about and you won't be able to know about unless you're able to go to the table or try new things that you might not even be ready for and you stumble through them a little bit and you learn from those mistakes and learn from those challenges but then you're a better architect later on Mm -hmm. and making space for that roundedness I think as much as like firms and companies will try to give you so many different types of experiences within them to anticipate that your firm is that one-stop shop. I think not that it's going to lead you to disappointment, but that's a lot of pressure for a firm to do that for you. Right. Yeah. So how do you fill the other parts of you that maybe was neglected in college, or maybe you're like, I really want to get into mentorship um, for youth and kids. I want to teach kids about architecture. I want to do gardening. I want to do all these different other things. There's a community out there. And the beautiful thing about these organizations is that there's other people who kind of want to do the same thing and be interested in the same thing. So being able to exist in this industry, not only on your nine to five, but also on some days at the after work or on the weekend is going to provide you such a more joyous outlook on the profession, I think, or at least for me has provided me Mm -hmm. more joy in the profession because I'm like, oh, I have my Noma girls who I know are supporting me in my ARE journey in a way that I don't look for at work. Or like they are senior project managers in the education world and are giving me all types of tips and tricks on dealing with the government here in Miami in terms of permitting, which I personally don't do here at SB. Um, so it's learning and absorbing from everyone and just like, oh, I didn't know that whole world existed or that could bring me joy. How many things are there for between you and and uh, Tiffany, you and Amanda that you wouldn't have known you enjoyed if you weren't in NOMA or in AIA? Like, I think you made such a good point. I wrote it down. It's like, if we're only ever experiencing architecture in our firm, we can come become a bit jaded, no matter how good your firm is, because 90% of our job is problem solving, right? So mm-hmm. we're salt that we're looking at the bad end of something sometimes, most of the time and solving it, right? That's the beauty of architects. We want to solve it. We're the crazy people that are always like, I can do it. <laughs> I can do it and I can do it better. I don't know why, but I think I can. And so, you know, when every day you're sort of staring down the barrel of all these issues of whatever might be happening, whether it's RFIs or design constraints, you can't get the client to like this design. You've done it seven times, you know, 
you get a bit jaded that like, this is overwhelming. And I think you're so right. Anytime I've gone to an AIA event, whether it's uh, retrospective or it's um, the presentations we do through art and all these different selection committees, I immediately sit there and go, oh my God, I feel like I was that girl when I was in architecture school, where I felt so inspired by someone that came, a speaker that came to talk to us. And I was like, get this kind of weird, fuzzy feeling. And it sounds so cheesy. Mm -hmm. You're like, this is why I do this. This is why that was, that was my first Noma meeting. It was a zoom meeting and I could not find the Noma meetings. I was like, I've been a member in South Florida. I can't find it. And I learned that I was emailing the wrong email. Um, <laughs> I was like, who has this email? This like, whole time I thought they were ducking my email. Yeah, I was like, and then I just like was so nosy and I found it and I showed up and I remember messaging my friend who is an engineer, my best friend who went to my same high school and we had similar journeys. And I was like, oh my God, I feel so inspired. And we were talking about paint today. Like it wasn't even anything that was like mind blowing, but I was like, have you ever like signed on to a zoom in this industry and saw people who looked just like you? I was like, cause it doesn't happen a lot. You know, it happens. It's not that we don't exist, but a whole zoom of people who look like you, I was like, it was kind of overwhelming. And like, I remember being after, I was like, oh my God, I can't wait for the next one. And at that point, I was just a member. And then they slowly started looping me in. They're like, mm, you're going to be involved. And now, uh, you're now I'm on their like, board. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's just so important to be around people that have the same experiences as you as, as much as it's important to be around people that don't, right? Because it's always important to have the perspective of people that think differently. It makes us, you know, just be better people. But like you said, I remember when I first had my interview with SB, and Matt Page said, I said something that alluded to be Jew- being Jewish. And I know Amanda will appreciate this too. And and uh, Matt Page said something. He's like, wait, are you, this is in my interview. So it's just, that's why it's so amazing. And I alluded to like my mom, my family's from Long Island. My mom being, we're, uh, we're Jewish and blah, blah, blah. And Matt Page is like, you're part of the tribe. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, shout out. And I literally like a loser raised the roof in my, in my interview. But I was like. I'm home. Like I feel supported. (laughs) I feel seen. And it's, I mean, it's something so small for someone just to make you feel like you're seen and you're safe and that there are other people like you that have silly little experiences, like loving Costco, uh, kosher hot dogs, like stuff (laughs) like that, you know? Um, and it was nice to have that sort of relationship. So I can, I understand. And I completely, I love, I'm spoiled because I get to talk to everybody on this podcast. I really am. And Ashley is a little bit spoiled because she gets to listen in, but maybe less spoiled because she can't jump in on (laughs) say more. (laughs) But um, this is my version of that inspiring thing right now. And I think that that, that's what's so special about this podcast is that some days I'm having a bad day and I'm tired and I'm like, okay, I got to talk through this, put a smile on. I know I'm going to love it at the end. But every single time I was just telling Joshua in our office, our Dallas lead, I get off, I'm like inspired again. I feel that little feeling like the little Jeanette felt in college where I'm like, this is why, you know? So thank y'all for being those people for me and for everybody, because 
Ugh, you're getting me all feels. No, sorry. I know. Well, y'all, I I truly, know it's the truth. Like, it's, well, it's y'all so, say matters. It matters so it's much. It's such the truth. Like, so, much. so last year, Noma had its first project pipeline in person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was the first one in the state of Florida. It was a big deal. We had a whole 11 campers, and they were the most mighty 11 campers ever. And I co chaired it with a colleague, Vanessa. And at the end of it, I like got in my car and I was like, I just started crying. And I was like, oh my God, like this is, and like, I come from a family of educators. So I like, I never went down that route or was interested in that route. And I like called my aunt who has an art school. And I was like, is this how you feel all the time? How do you not go by every day? Like they're so inspiring. They're like, the world is so bright and shiny and like, you just showed them a bunch of words that they had no idea about and you're going to let them see the world just slightly differently because now they're thinking about it. And it's like that it was a four day camp and I felt so recharged and so energetic to be like, I'm going to take over the world. And it's like, well, my little world, but I'm going to take over the world somehow. I can do anything. It's like really, it really does make you feel like that. It's why I I loved working with uh, the the new hires and the new grads at HKS. Cause it was like that new, fresh, fresh blood. I don't know if there's got to be a better term. <laughs> no, <laughs> the new, fresh the new, if new kids on the block were just so inspiring. I loved it. Sorry, it's I that fresh, you no, no, it's okay. It's, it's a fresh perspective, right? It's getting to revisit that. Why we did this. Yeah. It's, it's resetting us, right? It's bringing us back to that initial go of this is important. I mean, I, I I went to the I guess the graduation of Project Pipeline last year and and I I brought my husband with me and I look at him and I'm like I am so excited for the future if these are the next architects I know we're going to be in a better place they created a beautiful city and they we didn't even have to tell them to be inclusive they just did it and they knew what the community needed in that area and it was just so inspiring i'm already getting goosebumps thinking about when i when we saw the all of them presenting their their models and their projects and i'm looking forward we're going to be hosting project pipeline year two and i'm so excited to be there and you know just supporting and volunteering and helping at organizations like Black Architects in the Making and Project Pipeline, it's making sure that younger generations are diverse and they understand what architecture is and why we do it. And they can do anything. They just have access to the information. Mm-hmm. That's the most important yeah. thing, right? You know, a lot of this profession was, oh, my my parents were architects or my family members. And that's how I got into the industry versus, you know, the awareness of jobs, like being a firefighter, right? Things, people don't interface firefighters all the time, but you know about the career. Um, well, no, yeah, one, no, no one really knows what we do, but it's because yeah, you, of the access to the information. It's access to the information. So we have all these amazing programs that exist, not only in our cities, but across the country. Like I am an ace alumni and I am an ACE mentor and ACE paid for my supplies in architecture school because I got scholarship out of it. And 
it was a very um, full circle moment that when I started to, when I went back to New York after college, meeting with the whole engineer team and the civil engineer was one of my mentors. And he was like, this is very weird. Like you were a student who you was fully eyed, who, <laughs> who like didn't know if they were actually going to go into architecture. And now you're actually on the architecture team for a real project. It is not an ACE project. Um, and it was such a full circle moment. It's like, you know, our industry is so tiny and it overlaps so much that 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 overlap in full circle is only what? five, six years. So then you are probably interfacing the same folks you were mentoring or volunteering for. So making sure that communities, especially underserved communities have mm -hmm. access to options and have access to opportunities that have space for them, I think is just that's the sentence, right? We do this because we want to make sure that people have an awareness, whether they, we made, you know, 11 architects at Project Pipeline, or we made one, we showed 11 kids a different opportunity. And that's the most rewarding thing that you can do. I think it's not only the opportunity of potentially, you know, becoming an architect, it's that new perspective they're going to go in with life, right? They're going to see things in a different way. We always have the conversation, you know, oh, you know about a doctor because you go see them for when you're sick or when you're trying to get better. Or you know about a teacher because you see them every day, but you don't think about the buildings you go into every day. You don't go see the architect. Home. You don't <laughs> see the architect. And we might have that. No one says eat an apple a day and keep the architect away. No. <laughs> we we maybe, they do now. maybe they do and we don't know. <laughs> um, but I do think, you know, that perspective Such of saying, you know, it, I might not be an architect, but I might be an urban planner or I might be, you know, go into construction or I might actually just become a, a teacher. But I know a little bit more about this profession that I can share with my students then in the future. And I think that's so important to just like Tiffany said, share those resources, spread the knowledge, because we do kind of have that like behind the scene work still. Yeah. And making sure that like, you know, we're speaking about high school and under kids, but making sure that college kids who are studying architecture know that there's not one way to exist in this profession. Mm -hmm. And there's many different routes and ways to be successful with the education you get. I know so many people who, of course, you know, transfer out of the program or later in the program, they're like, I'm going to get this degree and I don't want to use it. I don't care to use it. And it's like, and that's okay. Architecture school just teaches you how to problem solve. So you have problems, you will do very well. That is <laughs> the basis of architecture school. But also knowing that like you can go into urban planning, you can go into graphic design, you can mm -hmm. go into construction, um, all these different parts of our industry and the diversity of roles in that are available at any point of someone's career, right? And just making sure that as, you know, what did you call us? The non-emerging professionals. Um, <laughs> as the non- so Or, or we've emerged. The, the elderly oh, emerging professionals. <laughs> the post-emerge. Um, the post-emerge professional. <laughs> that, hey, you know, you hate design and you hate CA. 
try this side of things. See if mm-hmm. that works for you. Like vocalize this, ask for these opportunities in your organization, your company and see what works for you. Yeah. Yeah. You're, think- you're never too old to try new things. Yeah, absolutely. And I think another part of architecture is we all love to learn. I think we all are, you know, that we constantly have to be learning or evolving or we become obsolete or, you know, but so we have to always want to evolve, but I think we all want to, we, that's why we're here, right? Architecture is a constantly evolving profession. So you can change, you can change mm-hmm. in what you like in five years, five years from now, I have no idea if I'll still be doing design. I think I will, but what if I decide I want to do full BD? Like who knows, who knows? Um, or I want to go into CA. I really don't know what five years brings me, but being open to the fact that there are so many different parts of architecture, but that also means you can evolve, you know, you can change out what you like. Well, thank you all so much for joining. Thank you so much for taking the time. I know you're both super busy. Um, and I think this is going to be a great addition to our podcast, uh, list. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your time with us and your insight and your knowledge and just all of your, all of your kind words. I really appreciate y'all so much. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. 